everyone, and welcome to the Concord Corner, a podcast dedicated to bringing you interviews with folks working in the AC and BPM industry. I'm one of your hosts, Graham Waldrop, a director of product here at Concora. Today on the show, we're talking with Matt Thomas, who is the marketing director at Nanowall. Matt explains to us how Nanowall is a true innovator in the industry and how they created the market for open glass walls and how this innovation and further iteration of this market helped many restaurants stay open and thrive during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Matt also goes into detail about how the marketing of his company is ever-growing, from creating technical specifications to written materials, videos, and more in order to give architects as much information as possible to ensure Nanowall continues to be a force in the marketplace. We hope you enjoyed today's interview with Matt, but before we begin, here's a quick word from our CEO, Kip Rapp. I wanted to thank everyone again for listening to our podcast, and if you're interested in knowing more about Concora, we help building product manufacturers get specified and purchase more by providing a great web experience that's bolted onto your website. It makes it easy for your architects, engineers, and contractors to do business online with you. Uh, we sum it up as three things. It's providing a good web experience, good content, and good tools. And we have some great tools such as submittals, sustainability, project showcases, or anything else needed by your design community to specify and purchase products. We'd be more than happy to show you a quick demo, and you can go to concora.com, C-O-N-C-O-R-A.com to learn more, read case studies, and see how other customers have grown sales with our partnership. Hey, hey Matt, thanks again for joining our podcast, and definitely from our, I know we had a prep call, I was uh, looking forward to that. And I, I just, uh, I get so humbled with these, Matt, because there's most people I talk to, I just don't know what products they sell. It's like all these new things that people are making uh, lives easier for both from a consumer side and a, a commercial side. So definitely excited to talk about what you guys do at Nanowall, how you're making people's lives better. Definitely, you know, as, as we all kind of getting to the end of COVID, hopefully of how we're supporting these small businesses. That was a fascinating story because it's, it's just such a tragic time for a lot of small businesses out there today. But you know, how we start, Matt, is if you can just introduce yourself, what you do, what your company does and what makes you different. All right, well, thanks for having me on the show, Kip. Nice to be here. And who I'm with Nanowall Systems and Nanowall is the originator. We're the company that created the market for the opening glass wall. It started with the bifold door that everybody may know because there are so many out in the market now where the panels are hinged and connected together and open up. And so we've been doing that for over 30 years. And so we target both residential and the commercial space. And in the commercial spaces, you and I were having the conversations, we, we focus on a variety of different markets within that space. And so you know, we can talk about each one, one by one, or however you want to lead. No, that's great. Now, I know with Nanowall, you're, it's, it's a family-owned business, right? It is. Yeah. It's run by four brothers that founded the company back in the late 1980s. Yeah. And I, I always get fascinated with that. I mean, we talk to other companies where it's fourth generation, right? And there's always these kind of nuances with working in the family business. And can you share any insights to that as far as why you started this journey and then working inside the family uh, business and what you like about that? I had always known about the company 
because I'm an architecture buff. I grew up in an architecturally relevant home, a case study home down in LA. And so I've always had an affinity towards it. So therefore I've known of the company and what they do because I've always loved the product. And, you know, over 10 years ago, I landed here and haven't moved since because what we do is interesting on an everyday basis. And we're, as you noted, we're a family run company and that gives us some advantages. We're very dynamic. We keep our nose to the ground and we can change and adjust on a fly. And also ideas are very encouraged. We are constantly innovating both from a sales and a marketing standpoint and what we do in the market, in addition to our product lines are always constantly expanding. Gotcha. And you're the marketing leader? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Can you walk us through a little bit about how you do marketing in Anawal and, you know, from a go-to-market digital, I know digital marketing is very big nowadays with COVID. So what is, uh, I guess, some of the best practices and things that you do with marketing your product? Well, in our industry, the architectural construction industry, it's a mix of two things. It is, and we do, a lot of digital marketing. In fact, we're the probably within the industry, the leader in digital marketing. We have for over 10 years, and we use a lot of innovative tools. And as I noted before, we're constantly adapting and adjusting in a dynamic way. But we also do traditional marketing because again, we're reaching different types of professionals within the market. There's the early career professionals that are going to be more adjusted, well-suited to the digital side of things. There's mid-career that naturally would be the middle, a little balanced between knowing digital and also traditional means. And then there's your late career that really follow the more traditional path. And the breakdown there is a balance between digital, which is email marketing, which is digital advertising, and other forms of outreach on the on digital platforms. But on the traditional side, we still do a lot of print advertising and trade show attending, although we haven't all done a lot of that in the past year. So there's the, the more traditional face-to-face, -face, I guess you could say old school, because that's how our industry currently operates. It has a wide mix of you know, people we need to reach from being an architect, a contractor, business owner, et cetera. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I do want to spend a little more time there because it's, it's always a, a topic of a lot of our listeners are interested in working with architects and specif getting specified early. And so in your case, it, it really cool where you, you segmented that from early, mid to late in that case. I mean, is, is the architect a, a main uh, constituent for what you do on the commercial side, or is, is there others? The architect's the main stakeholder who we target. And so we were set up as a B2B company, although we are not going to turn you away if you show up at our doorstep or which happens every now and then. Um, but mostly we're a B2B company and we target the professional, the specifier, the, the, the professional that is designing that project working on that project, an engineer working on that product, project, excuse me, that's our target. Um, so yes, we're set up specifically to break down and communicate to each one of those stakeholders. And then also within that, here's where it gets complicated, is that like I noted before, 
there's in the, say the architect stakeholder, there's the three different, at least the simplified way of looking at it, of who we're targeting and who's most familiar, who sits behind a screen and gets content from a phone versus, you know, the traditional means. And believe me, it exists. Never try to run a tweet contest at the International Builders <laughs> Show. The builders these days are very versed in this, but, you know, they just don't have patience for it. They want to get straight to the point. So I learned that lesson the hard, hard way. Yeah. And, and, and that with the early mid delay, are you finding a propensity that as the earlier career folks and the college graduates, my conversations with people are they are, there is a cultural difference. They are more digital. And, and do you see that as being kind of more the trend in the pie, you know, the share of the pie as your architecture constituents? It's definitely moving that direction, particularly an architect is technically versed to start with. So sitting behind a screen or multiple screens is a comfort zone. So reaching them in that same medium makes a lot of sense, particularly the younger architects, maybe they're right out of school or they've had a number of years under their belt. They want to be reached digitally. And it makes the most sense because it's quick, it's direct to them, not going through the mail system, say in a Gensler, you know, where they have these big offices and try to reach them through a postcard or an ad that's by chance. So at least we know who they are now, you know, when reaching to them digitally and we can provide them with information quickly and effectively based on what their requirement is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and again, on that side, and I know there's probably a lot of things you have to do from a, a digital side when we're talking about an architect that's either younger or more digitally minded, but is there like a, an ideal kind of um, way that you can try to, one is how you communicate and then the other is what I think we can communicate, but it, at least on how you communicate, are you finding that it's more of catching them on their own time? Is it more through the different mediums that they may be uh, consuming content, either Twitter or maybe they're probably doing social media. It could be an email or it could be, um, maybe it is digital print. So is there anything from there that's been effective? Well, yes. I mean, all the above, as you noted, I mean, we have a big social program on all the different platforms, but we also notice that different entities tend to gravitate to different platforms. Architects like LinkedIn, architects like Twitter, contractors like Facebook more, um, architects and homeowners like Pinterest. So we've noticed those stat demographics, you know, over the past number of years. And so we adjust accordingly and, you know, send relevant content to those platforms based on who we believe is consuming the content on those platforms. Now, more importantly, is making sure that the right content gets to the recipients. So by having a strong digital uh, content marketing platform is and has been of utmost importance to us over the past seven to 10 years, because it's just like you and I going to a trade show and meeting each other there. We have an informal conversation. We get to know each other. I start to find out what your interests are, and then I start providing you with the information based on your interest. You can do the same thing digitally. 
it's just a conversation, but you get more straight to the point and then you're providing the right content to what that customer needs. Yeah, that makes sense. And in that scenario, as we talked about how you communicate and when maybe, and so can you maybe touch a little more on what you're communicating? Cause I was talking to other folks, Matt, and it's, there was like a common denominator around education, interest, problem solving, differentiation as things that you communicate. So I wanted to get your point of view on what's effective as far as what you can communicate. Well, these days there's never enough content, um, particularly digitally. It, the demand is outstripping the supply because of the pace, the speed, the cadence in which that content's being delivered and the requirement from that stakeholder, that customer. So what we provide is across the board from an architect's interested in technical specifications, CAD, Revit, BIM, you name it. We provide that general information on all our product lines. Um, you know, how our products are used. You know, we have different types of content from written to video to over 5,000 images to allow that architect, for instance, or builder to visualize what their project could potentially look like, animation, presentations. I literally could go on, but basically it covers all traditional platforms and, and then, you know, inventing new ideas too of how to reach those those customers and you know again the important thing for us is providing the information that they need being a knowledge base and is there everything that you said makes a lot of sense is there something that is not as appropriate to to communicate or is it you know like in my world if if you talk more features than benefits it's it's not as appropriate because no one understands what your features are but is there any any similarities with the architects? Well, sure. You want to get straight to the point. They're busy people. Yeah. And, um, you know, you don't want to spend too much time talking about yourself and your product features or, you know, the reasoning why your product is so great. They'll determine if it's great. I mean, we provide things like, for instance, with us, it differentiates us is we independently test all our product. And that's very important because, you know, there was an old saying back in the 1980s, you don't get fired for buying IBM. Well, we like to feel the same way about Nanowall. The architect doesn't get in trouble by incorporating Nanowall in their designs because we are battle tested, but we also have, you know, focused squarely on providing all that necessary backup, you know, that an architect needs to feel comfortable using our product. So, you know, that's, that's, that's where our, again, our focus lies is meeting them to what their requirements are versus us just talking about ourselves, you know, Hey, tell us about your project. Let's work on it together. And, you know, we even have an in-house staff architect to work with you and a development team that knows the product, but also understands projects. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I know I uh, wanted to get more into how people use your product, especially in, in supporting COVID. Uh, but then from COVID itself, did you, was there any material differences that you had to change? I know when it kind of almost started like a year ago from now, like one right year ago this, today. Yeah. 
Yeah. So was there, and I know it was scary, right? You know, not talking to other leaders, it's not the unknown is scary and what will happen. Uh, but for you and, and then learning, have you, what were the things that worked out well from a marketing side that you had to adjust? Because obviously the trade shows and some of the other more analog ways weren't available, right? That's right. Well, a lot of my contacts who were traditional advertising salespeople weren't too pleased because I renegotiated a number of contracts <laughs> because magazines, if you think about it, magazines weren't landing in the hands of the people that needed them, that, that, that we intended them to land in, if that makes sense. For instance, they're just not getting to the, the end user. Um, they were sitting on desks, like you go into my desk in the office and there's an 18 inch stack of magazines. Am I going to flip through and read all of those? Not till all of this is over, I do some, but I had to also put myself in the, the seat of an architect are with how busy they are adjusting to this new reality and changing design based on the new reality. Are they going to be sitting back with their feet up on the desk, looking through magazines and looking at advertisements? Odds are against that because they're too busy. So we knew right up front because we do communicate with many, many architects that they were very busy making adaptation to this new reality. And so we ourselves adapted and pushed more digital because we knew that was the sole way to reach them other than literally picking up the phone and calling them. So that, that was one of the key changes was that the traditional methods, as I noted in the beginning of this conversation, went on a temporary hiatus. And so we just moved the shells around. Yeah. And do you think uh, after COVID and I, I'm getting this from other folks is there is a transformation that, and some of that sticks, right? Where it becomes that much more of a digital experience now. Are, are you thinking the same way after COVID? Well, there's a downside to that too. If you took a big high level viewpoint of what happened in the past year, since we're exactly one year in now, um, clearly other people got the same idea knowing that digital is a way to reach people because it's almost the only way to reach people in the past year. So the challenge was competing with all that additional noise that was thrust into the market. Many of these publications that I know, they went to a temporary all digital format. They also increased their output of email. And so did everybody else, our competitors, other indirect competitors or, you know, co-companies in the same industry, everybody opened the spigot of digital. And so all of a sudden your inbox is just full of content. So how do you reach all those people? You've got to have better content because it's become a big stew that companies or the individuals in these companies have to you know, sift through. Gotcha. And, and there was another um, person I was talking to, uh, Matt, that work, they were working with architects and the commercial side has taken a hit and some of these firms were uh, supplementing with residential. And I think with your product, you're both residential commercial. So did you see any of that with trying to support the architects in your community? We did see a big shift to in some projects and some architects that worked specifically say in interiors while they were working to figure out what the next generation, the post COVID interior environment was going to be. 
they needed to keep work going. So many of them moved into the residential environment, whereas residential went through the roof because everyone's at home. Everybody is knows that they're stuck at home. And, you know, now is a good time to work on that home. So that's really what happened. And I think anyone could get their measure their own, you know, get their own measurement by just walking or going over to a Home Depot. You know, you're, you're fighting through the aisles. There are so many people in there because everyone is working on their home. I know I did. <laughs> many of my friends did. It just was the right, a good time to do it. I don't know about the right time, but a good time to do it. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not that type of personality because I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't have any urge to, to fix my home, <laughs> being here for you. But I'm, the evidence is out there, right? I mean, everyone's, yeah. uh, um, it, it's, it's interesting, and uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, and, and uh, when we talked uh, earlier, Matt, you had some really good examples on the commercial side and how you were able to support the businesses out there, and I, I do kind of get sad right when you think of all the small businesses out there it's tough to stay in business from restaurants uh you know the the normal places you would go stores retail stores that are out there and so you had some great examples of how your product specifically addressed some of these problems even maybe some of these restaurants didn't even know how to solve themselves right and and i think that's very noble so i'd love to hear you walk you uh through some of those stories that you were, we were talking about earlier well you know straight off the bat you know we know that a lot of environments got hit hard and let's start at restaurants you know when the shutdown happened and everybody stayed at home and they either ordered their food in or they just went down to the market and cooked at home you know great for weber grills and all those companies that make things for the home um but the poor restaurants you know as somebody who loves to go to restaurants and a lot of my colleagues are big on going out to restaurants. It was hard, not only for the customer, but more importantly for the people who rely on that industry, the, the wait staff, the chefs, the cooks, the owners, uh, the general managers, everyone. So what we noticed is the restaurants who had our product had a distinct advantage going into COVID. To give you an idea, there's a restaurant out in Detroit and it uses our product in a very unique geometrical shape where three of the walls are open, all in offset walls. And it's a very interesting building. It's called Lumen Detroit. And what the general manager told us at Lumen Detroit was that they were able to keep their restaurant open, conforming, of course, to the rules and regs. But because three of the walls out of four opened, they were classified differently and they eat, they fell under different rules and regulations in your traditional closed in restaurant. So they were able to stay open. They were able to keep customers safe and comfortable because that's where we come in. We're the customer. We want to be safe and comfortable in an environment. So by having a lot of fresh air ventilation, natural daylighting, that created a healthier environment. So Lumen kept our panels open all the time even inside under the covered roof, because three quarters of that building were open, it was like an outdoor tent. And the breeze rolled right through in one side and out the other. Customers enjoyed themselves, wait staff stayed employed, general manager stayed busy, chefs, cooks, everybody is you know, doing what they do. 
and the restaurant was making enough money to stay in business. And that's the important thing. And that was really an indicator to us that, hey, we've got something here. What we do and the versatility of our product has allowed many of these restaurants to stay open, stay in business, keep people employed. Now that's great. And was that something that like some restaurant called you or someone in Annual said, hey, we have these restaurants, they're struggling and we, we believe we may be able to have, or there may be an existing setup you already have with other restaurants, but how did that kind of come to fruition? Well, we already had restaurant messaging. It's a core area that we focus on. And, you know, our product has always been, you know, one of the, let me rephrase that. We've always focused commercially. Our product is durable. It's tough. It, it can withstand the commercial environment, particularly a, a restaurant. And so we've always known that, you know, we are perfectly matched for restaurants with what we do and what we make. And so we just took a long, hard look at it. And we started noticing restaurants in our area here, right down the street from me, there's a restaurant that uses our product. And I noticed they had those panels open at the beginning of COVID all the time. And they were seating people out in these makeshift, you know, patio at a patio, but then they extended that patio further into the, the one-way drive for the parking lot. And they just took it over. They got approval from the city. And so they were sitting people outside and the customers and the wait staff were going in and out of the building through our product. And, you know, the proverbial little light bulb went off in my head and went, wow, we've got something here. You know, you've got these panels that can withstand being opened and closed multiple, multiple times a day. Um, but they're also, by being what they do, providing a service for that organization, that restaurant. And that's where it started. We started making phone calls and talking to general managers and started getting stories. And each and every restaurant had a different story about how they were able to adapt better, how they were able to seat more customers and how they were able to conform to the local rules and regs better than their competitors who don't have a product like ours. And that's great. Is that something where if someone wants to use the product in that situation, does it take a few weeks, a month, or what, what is the general the time frame for them to be able to use your product? Well, you know, it's we have our lead times to build product, but there's a whole construction project uh, yeah. process behind that. And that's not what we do. We just provide the product. Mm. But that's where the architect has to come in, the structural engineer has to come in. It does take some effort. But what we did notice is restaurants early on recognize this, spoke to their local ordinance, rules and regs people, whoever they may be, and you know, before even new rules and regs were, you know, implemented, you know, they were able to get concessions or a general direction of what is the best scenario for them to, to do that. And so by midsummer, we noticed that a lot of plans were showing, you know, openings in restaurants that were solid walls before. Um, New Jersey, I believe, uh, off the top of my head, passed a, either a, a law or a regulation I think it's just a, you know, a local ordinance that, you know, you had to have a wall open to, again, allow for that airflow. Now, for us, you know, in an area like New Jersey, where it gets cold in the winter, we're very comfortable in that because when you close our product up, it keeps those elements on the outside. But think about this, in order to flush the restaurant's air, 
you want to be able to open that wall many times a day quickly, open it up for a minute without the inside getting too cold and the customers getting too uncomfortable, but enough to flush the air and then quickly close it again. That's the other attribute that we noticed about what we do. It really came sh uh, shining through because you have to be able to operate that product many times a day and for it to be easy and quick in order to flush out these restaurants when the weather is too cold to leave them open 100% of the time. And were these guidelines more towards COVID or just normal guidelines that were in place? What we're learning is that it's, it's different everywhere. It's going to be different in Los Angeles and it's going to be in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So we work with our local representatives who are architectural representatives, people who are very versed in understanding the whole process and then working with that customer to make the right fit and understand the right product that we utilize in that scenario. So that the local, we're very involved in the local level through our representatives and that information comes back into us. And so it's, it's teamwork at, at three different levels mm -hmm. for us internally, our representative, and then of course the customer. Yeah, so from a timeline's perspective, when COVID hit and certainly hit majority of the businesses probably right around now too, I would imagine, or maybe a month later. Mm -hmm. uh, and then your kind of innovation to their problem with the exposure and, and your systems, did it take what you would say six months or five months? Is that then the lead time for like a restaurant owner to, yeah, after all kind of the architect and, and maybe the uh, permits and regulations to uh, get approved? Yeah, roughly. But again, I, I wouldn't want to vouch for any timelines because they're going to be different everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sitting out here in California and the local area in which I live are going to be different than, you know, like I said, different various places across the country. But I, we did notice fast tracking because, you know, everyone, they, in the beginning of this, you know, they used, you saw the public service messages saying we're all in this together. I think what happened is that, you know, you had your, your local counties and, and cities, you know, they all realized, hey, we got to keep these businesses going. We've got to keep them afloat. And the way to do that is by helping them and going above and beyond and cutting through the red tape. And so we saw a lot of that, you know, at the different levels. I just, like I said, I saw it down here, you know, they would close off streets downtown and um, everyone, no one complained. And they just allowed the restaurants to push out into the streets so that they could serve people and have, you know, again, for them stay in business and for the customer to have some semblance of a normal life. Yeah, that's great. And, and so restaurants, definitely that, that sounds like one of the, the key areas that you're able to help and support. Was there other industries like um, hotels or retail or other types of businesses? Retail, let's start at retail real quickly. You know, poor retailers, you know, it's great ordering things online. I got to say, I, I do it. Almost everyone I know, you know, either orders through Amazon or other services, but there's nothing like, you know, going local and then, you know, supporting the local community. And I think that has really, you know, shown through in the past year. 
And as we were talking earlier in the call, a few weeks ago, I was in Los Angeles and I was in Santa Monica and in Santa Monica, there is third street promenade. And that's one of the early, it's around 30 years old now. Uh, one of the early great examples of how an outdoor retail restaurant entertainment um, congregating environment should work. I mean, it's obviously Los Angeles, beautiful weather, you know, day and night, but all those retailers that line up each side of the promenade, you know, they had plenty of business right until right up to COVID. COVID hit and people were scarce to find. And what I noticed is that a lot of these businesses are, you know, have gone out of business or just pulled out of that environment because, you know, it's, they just needed to recoil. But what we noticed is that in the place of a lot of the retailers that have our product, they're utilizing it and opening that up and customers are, you know, gravitating inward to these environments. To give you an example, there's Polestar, which is the Swedish electric car manufacturer they moved into where we used to have the space in which where Fossil was. It uses one of our folding glass walls and the entire opening opens up. It's about 20 feet wide. And I watched for 10, 15 minutes, customers gravitate in and out easily and comfortably and stayed in the environment because they have that great big opening. The Polestar employees told me it's great. They just quickly close it a little if they need to, if the, you know, the weather changes or if the wind picks up and then they can easily push it back open. So that's an example of it being used. And then T-Mobile who uses one of our products in another 26 foot opening, they went very innovative with our product. The entire thing opens up and disappears. But again, when that weather changes or they just don't want the entire thing open, the way that they designed their the system with us is that you had swing door, panel swing door, and one was in and one was out. So there's a good three to six feet of separation between the in and the out. So customers, again, felt comfortable going in and that door was open and then they had the out. And so you're not fighting with somebody to get in and out. The last thing I'll say is, you know, for those of us who have iPhones and you go into the Apple store, have you ever gone to an Apple store and when it's so busy, that you're opening the door, that one door, and as somebody else is coming out and you clip shoulders or you run face to face in front of somebody because you're going through this little narrow opening. That's counter to what we believe. We believe open it up, make it easy and comfortable for the customer to come in and out, make it easy for the customer to feel comfortable and make it easy for the employee to operate that door system without having to even think about it. And that's what our focus has been always. And it's really, you know, become very noticeable through the pandemic. Well, I really like that. And I appreciate that because, you know, one of the things I think about when I go into like a, a Walmart or somewhere, it's like, you're in nice, like this big cave, right? And then there's all these fluorescent lights and walls are everywhere and you're, you're kind of claustrophobic. And I can really see, the T-Mobile example and the Polestar example where it's, it's a, an elegant type of experience. It's transparent. So that kind of high quality type of feel when you think of glass and transparency and it's open. Um, so I, I, I do think there's a lot of just general, uh, for me, you know, psychological benefits that 
I like about that environment. And it's, it's, it's not like uh, direct, right? Because you, you keep that open and you just have, oh, I can go in at any time, right? I don't, I don't have this physical barrier. <laughs> Plus the COVID that you talked about where you're just kind of like elbow to elbow in those type of environments. Um, but in, in your kind of scenario though, is it uh, also, were there regulations on the retail side that, that said, hey, you had to have this amount of space or opening that made your product more attractive versus kind of the more of the aesthetic and the things that we we're just talking about? Not in the past, but we anticipate that to change. In order, in other words, just to lead on to what you said, we're anticipating that local rules and regulations will stipulate openings for retail environments to change, to be bigger, to be more open, to allow for greater fresh air ventilation. And then that puts the pressure on the manufacturers like us to produce a product that can meet those requirements. Because again, like I said earlier, everyone is the same when it's open. Every opening is the same. It's operating it when it's closed. And it's got to be easy for the employee to operate. And it also has to be durable for it to withstand the daily commercial grind. And that's where we cut our teeth as a company is we cut our teeth, you know, in these these uh, difficult to operate within uh, commercial environments like retail, all the hospitality, retail, restaurants, and um, hotels. You know, they, they, they have to respond to what the employees of the management of that environment wants. And again, that's where our core, one of our core focuses is and um, why we took such interest in this particular segment at the beginning of COVID. Gotcha. Yeah, and I know we have uh, a few more minutes left, but I did want to touch on more of the residential side. I know you had a few examples there. Um, are they the same examples? Because I, I know with some products we were talking about, one gentleman had a product that really changed how people can live at home in the times of COVID. So did, was there any similar type of experiences with, with your product? Well, yeah, there's, um, again, you know, when you're in your home, you know, you're, when it's open you open up that product, it's great when the weather's nice, but when the weather isn't, you want to know that when that is closed, that it's going to keep those elements on the outside. That's what we notice that, that customers really focus on. You know, they think all this glass means that I'm going to be cold or I'm going to be insecure Insecure meaning security. Like, is this a, is this a threat to have all this glass? It's actually quite the opposite. You know, one day the president of the company was at his desk and he received a phone call from a fire chief who a week earlier had responded with his team to a house on fire that had one of our products in it. And that fire chief told the CEO, well, I got to say, you make a strong product. It's very secure. And he said, why? And he said, because we thought upon entering that home, oh, here's a 15 foot wide wall of glass, no problem getting through. Let's go. We're going to put the team on that. Get your pickaxes out. Let's go. They could not get through the door. And so, you know, they would have had to break the glass, but in many cases, particularly if you're in Florida, our product has impact glass in it and mm, a pickaxe isn't going to break that glass. So they had to go through another door. 
you know, I think they went through the, the front door or something. I could break down the front door with, you know, the traditional sense, but, you know, security is very important. My point is, is security is very important to the homeowners. And, you know, when you have a product like ours, particularly when you're in home all the time and you have this big glass wall, we focus on, you know, the fact that our product is highly secure because, you know, and it's also easy for them to open. And obviously they want pleasing aesthetics and different configurations. You know, we can go on down the list, but a couple of the key things were ease of operation and, and security. And that's, that's been from the beginning, our focus is to make this product easy to use. Also highly secure. Yeah. And, and that's great is, is the, because I, I do think when you brought that up, I was like, yeah, it could appear cold, right? Because, uh, you know, you touch glass normally and it appears cold, right? Um, and then is there, is the normal use at a house, uh, like a patio or a backyard door? Or what, what is a normal use at the house? We, we pretty much do every room, but the most standard is going to be the living room. Mm-hmm. But also what's really jumped up in the past five to eight years is kitchens. And we, for instance, to not talk about us too much, we have a product called the Kitchen Transition. And it's where you have the kitchen opening up to the outside. And it's a dual height system. So these panels open up as they normally would. But then you also have connecting panels that are on top of the counter. And so you have this space that opens completely to the outside that both you can walk through, but then you can also serve drinks and food and have people sit at a counter. And that's really become popular. And we, we created that configuration, that, that product line. And um, I'd say kitchens and living room are definitely the core focus. We've always heard that too. Bathrooms and kitchens are always a key renovation and focus point of home construction. Yeah. So when you mentioned kitchen, when you mean outside, that would be what to the living room or the seating area? Uh, out to the outdoors. Oh, okay. Right yeah. out to a deck, into the yard, you know, the, you know, having that outside come directly into your kitchen or, or living room. Yeah. Cause I, you know, talking to others, Matt, with homeowners, especially there's always the status quo. And I think that's like a big barrier for a lot of products is getting people off the status quo because the contractor pushes the status quo and the homeowner only knows the status quo. And then this kind of education on how you can make an elegant open experience with your products, it it just seems awesome in in that way. So, but I I think that's probably part of it is just educating people on. It is, you know, we do, we do focus on the homeowner too. Uh, We always have um, because we know the homeowner, you know, nowadays they get on all these different sites. They're on their tablets and, you know, they look at these things and develop ideas. And so we, we have idea books, we have all these different ways to communicate the possibilities of what we can do to the homeowner. But you're right about the, the contractor. Sometimes they just are unaware of what we do too, or they push what their local hardware or lumber store pushes. Um, but, you know, it's all about making sure that we have the right messaging and like I said before, allowing the homeowner or, or the business owner to understand the possibilities of what they can and can't do. Well, that's awesome. Well, again, 
Matt, I, I do thank you for your time and just the stories you're able to tell from the marketing side, right, of, of how you do marketing at NanoWall, what's worked and what's worked with architects of, of all careers, <laughs> early, mm -hmm. mid, late, and how you've adjusted and your, you know, great approach on how you acknowledge both the traditional and the digital side of marketing, and then going over to more of the actual support to these businesses. That's again, very noble, right? You only live once and it's, it's great to look back at that and say, this is how we were able to make a difference. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. So thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and if people wanted to reach out to you, Matt, or your company, how could they do that? Easy. Nanawall.com. N-A-N-A-W-A-L-L.com. They want to reach me. It's just matt.thomas at nanowall.com. Well, awesome. Well, thanks again for your time, Matt. It's been a joy and a pleasure. And uh, I'm sure our listeners will really enjoy this when we put it out there. And I look forward to talking to you again. Well, thanks for having me. All right, folks, that wraps us up for today's show. So you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud by searching for The Concord Corner. And if you'd like to, we'd love a rating and a short review if you listen on Apple. Any feedback is appreciated on any of our shows that are coming out and or just the show in general, or if you just want to say hello. Uh, you can find out more about Concora and our services at www.concora.com. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash LLC. We are on Twitter at Concora. And you can find us on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash company slash Concora. Thank you for listening and have a great day.